Hey everyone, I'm Casey Hughes, your host of SpireCast, where we bring you conversations that will help you thrive in ministry. And today we're going to be talking with Jenny Wong Clayville about team-based ministry. Jenny Wong Clayville was born and raised in Seattle, Washington. She is wife to Brian and a boy mom to Chance in Paxton. With a background in in psychology, theology, and the fine art of connecting the two, Jenny has been in full-time ministry since 2001 in a variety of different roles. From Portland to El Paso to Oklahoma City to Fort Worth, she's held various positions from worship pastor to executive pastor. She is currently the Nova Weekend Experience Pastor at National Community Church. Jenny spends her spare time cozying up with a good book in her favorite chair, enthusiastically cheering for her soccer-playing sons, skillfully avoiding shopping malls, a true talent that I'm going to want to ask her more about, and finding humor in everything except clowns. Because let's face it, they're all terrifying. Welcome to the podcast, Jenny. We're so happy to have you with us. Hey, I want to know more about the clown situation. Sounds like there was some trauma somewhere in the past. You know, I, I, I'm not really sure where the trauma came from, but for sure, I, I just think clowns are scary. I think that they are just a little too much. And so, yeah, I'm not a fan. I don't, I don't hire them for parties. None of that. Not a good thing. Okay. We will try our best to avoid any clown speak uh, in this conversation. Yes. Well, welcome. And, you know, as we shared in the bio, you have played a lot of different roles in ministry. And so would you tell everyone who's listening or watching right now about your journey into ministry and what you're doing today? Yeah. You know, I, I remember when I was like 14, 15, uh, I had not seen any women in, in ministry at that time. And, uh, but I felt cold. I like, I knew at yeah. that point, there had been a change in my life. And so um, my mom had asked me, like, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I, I said I would be a pastor's wife because that's the only context I had. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, what I know that meant now is that I just felt called and I knew that God had put a special um, purpose in my life, whatever it might look like. Uh, and so fast forward now, uh, my husband is not a pastor, but I am and I have been for since, you know, 2001, uh, have been in ministry. And so, you know, I went from starting as a volunteer and just feeling I, I had great leaders that kind of instilled into me places that things that would help me understand, you know, how to use my giftings instead yeah. of kind of like, uh, you know, dumbing them down, I guess, in, in some ways or shape or form. So I just really had really good leaders and really good people that kind of came along and just loved on me and helped kind of release those uh, mm -hmm. dreams and those callings and those giftings in me. And so, yeah, it started in ministry, in worship, in, in ministry, in youth. And then um, it kind of just started to translate into a little bit of teaching. And um, my background is psychology. And so I literally use that every day in ministry. Yeah. Super important. Um, and, uh, and and now I'm part of the teaching teaching team at National Community Church. I came on originally as a campus pastor with multiple locations. And, and now I currently serve as the weekend experience pastor there, which really means I just oversee really incredible, incredibly talented people. You know, that's worship, that's first impressions, that's groups, that's missions, production. So like it's anything that happens um, technically on the weekend, but really we're not a weekend. It's not a weekend centric church. It's like what is happening during the week. It's ministry overall. So, um, right. I just have a great team of people that do what they do. 
Wow. Yes. That's a lot of different uh, teams to oversee. And uh, what a gift it is to have people who see those gifts in you at an early age and, and don't try to dumb them down, but try to pull those out of you. So uh, I love that. And I'm sure it will be very encouraging for a lot of people listening today. We're going to be talking about ministry teams. Can you tell us why you think doing ministry with a team is important? We weren't meant to do life alone. If we look at even just the theology uh, of of what we follow in our faith, we're looking at a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, a triune God that is in community, in communion with each other. And so if we are the Imago Dei, which we are, um, then uh, we need to mirror and reflect that. And so we weren't ever meant to be the Savior. The Savior already came for us. And so we're here to reflect that. We're here for kingdom causes. So the goal really in my mind is that we would pour into people that, like me growing up, had these giftings and they were maybe unreleased or unseen, um, unresourced. And uh, our job as leaders is to pour into that so that they can become better at what they are, more of a calling of who they were called to be and released into that. And so us as a group, as a team, because we're all so different, yeah. it it actually hits all the spots that actually need to be reached. If I, even if I were the most talented person on the face of this earth, there's no way that everybody would love me, that everybody would connect with me. I only have 24 hours in a day and like eight of those should be asleep. We don't sleep well, right? But we should be asleep. We should be with our family. We should be doing things um, that actually take care of ourselves. So if you break that down, there's just not a lot of time. So if you multiply that within your group, within your team, you're going to hit a lot more people and more people are going to be seen, heard, loved, cared for. And that really is the kingdom work that we're really kind of pushing for. Yeah, that's good. That's good. When it when it comes to leading a team, what role does relational equity play in leadership? I believe it's all of it. Uh, relational equity, I, I think, if anything, trumps everything else. Because, yes, you can find the most gifted person, but if you don't have the relational ties or if you don't know who they are, if you don't see them the way they need to be seen – they don't really care to go above and beyond. And I'm not saying that everyone you hire or bring on the team is, they're going to feel like um, just an asset. Like there is nothing else. It's, it's what they do, not who they are. And that is actually the opposite of what I believe scripture says that we are as humans. And so we need to see them. We need to know them. Um, our team we work really hard. We have this little like intake form when you come on the team. What's your favorite food? What's your favorite drink? What Enneagram type are you? What Myers-Briggs? We use a lot of those resources to help us, not to box them in, but to help them and help each other understand each other better. So when something doesn't click with us, we go, oh, because that's not how I would do it. This is how they would do it. And this is probably what they're going through. And so seeing each other in the fullness of who they are and how they were created is super, super important. And so, yeah, I just, it, it's really, really, um, it, it's the most important thing. There's nothing else matters if you don't have that relational connection with right. your team. If they don't think that you actually care and would die for them, that you would, you know, when they ask for time off, like if you know what's going on in their life, instead of just like, hey, you know, too many people have this time off or whatever, you just want to make sure that you see them and they feel like you know them. 
Right, right. I'd love for you to give a few more practical examples of maybe what a leader could do to show, you know, to build more of that relationship with their team. If this is something that they're kind of lacking in or struggling in, they go, I totally need to do more of that. That's so the time off examples. Great. Is there another one or two examples you could give? This would be a good starting point for, for people. Yeah. Um, so I, our team, we work hard to, um, have a well-rounded team. So what that means is if we're just looking practically, we're looking on the Myers-Briggs and we're looking at not the same types, personality types. We're looking at the Enneagram and we're making sure that it's not all threes and eights, which is like the majority of ministry people. Um, mm -hmm. I myself am a three. And so yes. I try not to hire any other threes, even though I'm sure things would like go way easier. Like I can, you know, um, we get a lot and that's for sure. I know. So, uh, but no, we, we make sure we have every other Enneagram type. And so a, a good example is, um, and I'm trying not to box people in, um, but like, I am very, let's go efficiency. How, how fast can we get this done? And also like, how can we do it with excellence? Right. And so if I allow my natural tendency to lead, then all of my fours, that need time to kind of afford as an, an individualist. So they need to process, they need to think, they need a dream. They have to have time to be creative. That will put them, that'll like stifle them, mm -hmm. right? And so I know who is a four coming in and I can say, okay, um, how do I hold space for this? And it makes me a better leader because I now see the beauty that is in that person. And here's the thing, a four can bring in some of the most creative ideas that have never been done before. And if you don't give them time to do it, you end up with the same, same all the time. And honestly, like they, they can become the most caring, loving, um, genuine people. And so, like they have these amazing ideas that are completely untapped. So you got to give them time for that. So that's probably one example of that. Um, I have, I have another, um, I have another person on our team that is a, a five. So a five is the intellect. They, they're they definitely, um, one of my kids is that. And so knowing that a five comes in already, like when you're talking about a battery charge, and I'm spending some time at Enneagram because I do think it's a re really um, helpful tool, tool as a leader. Um, my son, for instance, when he comes home from school, he is like drained. Because he already starts the day with like 80% battery. It doesn't mean he's not fun. It doesn't mean that he's not creative. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love people. He just goes into the day not fully, fully charged already because he's trying to like hold on to some resources for himself, right? And so when he comes home, I just make sure that he has time to get a snack, just kind of like space out, whatever that may be doing. Maybe that that's like in front of his phone. He just needs some time and then we can have that conversation. Unlike my seven, my type seven son who comes in, he's like the enthusiast, everything's fun, right? And he comes home and I'm like, hey, how was school? Immediately he wants to talk about it. Yeah. It's not the same. So with my uh, coworker um, that is a five, I just make sure that he can actually process through all his thoughts, try not to interrupt him as he's going because it's like a whole process. Yeah. Um, and there's other people that, you can punch in and ask questions yeah. and it actually creates like a better, like creativity, a bit right. better, um, uh, like a atmosphere for, you know, team building. But for yeah. him, it's not, you just have to make space 
So that whole, everything that needs to happen in there happens, and then we can go back and process through. So just understanding your people's personalities, understanding what they need, what they, you know, just kind of watching them to see, oh my goodness, are they burning out? What's yeah. going on in their life? Those are things that are really important. It's important to know their birthdays. It's important to know um, days of trauma, like if a fa- like a father or a daughter or passed away, knowing those things because that does change what's happening in that season. Um, just, you know, you should always start your one-on-one meetings with asking, hey, what's going on? How can I be praying for you? Those are things that are probably um, – you know, with relational equity, those are the things that go to the top. What I've noticed is when my team knows that I care about them and I love them, they will go to the ends of the earth for you. And they will go to the ends of the earth for the vision and the mission that's been set in front of them. And if you have a moment, which I have many of, where I say things that I'm like, oh, that was terrible. There's extended grace there because they're like, that's not what she's usually like, you know? So um, it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of self-awareness uh, and working on yourself and being willing to say, man, I was wrong and I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of those times for me. So good. Uh, not that they are exactly the same, but I feel like these things are transferable between leading teams and leading children. Uh, yes, <laughs> that's true. Here, uh, completely. So whatever you're stronger in, I guess, apply to the other side as well. <laughs> Um, but the Spire Network has a range of churches that range from one pastor to large organizations with multiple teams. Uh, what do you find true of teams in ministry at any size? Mm, that's a good question. You know, I think the one consistent thing with teams of any size is people, mm-hmm. right? I think with people that I've talked to, they've talked about, um, they've asked, like, how do I grow my team? How do I get more people? How do I do it? And here's the thing is that if you cannot manage or steward well the few that are in front of you, there's no way you're going to know how to steward the big numbers. And so if there's uh, if there's disconnect in your groups, in your, in your teams, um, it, it really starts with who the leader is not with who's in the group, if you're scapegoating, if all, all of that stuff. So I think what's consistent in all of this is you as a leader and that you're working with people. And so if you're not doing self-development things, and I'm not just talking about leadership, I'm talking about holistically. So are you in God's word regularly? Not to prep for a sermon, but to actually be in the living word and absorbing it and abiding in it. If you're not in that, that's a problem. If you're not taking care of your health, if you're not eating well, if you're not working out, if you're not taking time, if you're not Sabbathing, how many pastors don't really truly Sabbath? And that is a whole day, not a part day. And I don't mean like you're not doing anything. I mean to actively Sabbath. You're going into that day of rest to be in community, to, to feast, to love. You're not working though, right? How do you disconnect from the world that, that draws from you, but you're actually meeting with God, with your family, your friends. So if you're not doing, you know, and then psychologically, we, you know, we still are kind of learning to shift into the, how does psychology, how does that part of our mind, our mental side and our emotional side link into the spiritual? All of these are like, if you look at our life as a wheel and God is the center of that wheel, like those are all points in that circle, in that wheel that are important. And we are negating some of those things. So we're kind of like on this flat 
tire a little bit. And so we're like kind of lopping along. Right. Um, yeah. So I think the consistent thing across all is now just looping around is ourselves. We're the consistent and that there is at least one other person involved that is the Imago Dei, that is the image of God that we need to see as the image of God, not as someone that's our like peon or someone that's just going to get something done for us. But really, what can we do together to further the kingdom of God, to further God's word for for forever, for eternity? Um, and it's not about us. It's not about this super, um, you know, this superman mentality that so many of us have. Yeah, that's good. It's good. When it comes to caring for the teams of people uh, in your care, what do you find is the most important elements to pay attention to? Oh, it really depends on the person. So I think birthdays, I said this earlier, birthdays are important. Knowing what's going on in their family is important. Uh, Knowing what their favorite foods. But I think also knowing what drives them. One of the things that is in my intake form for everyone coming in is how do you like to be addressed when things are when when something goes wrong? So how how do you deal with um conflict? Uh and most people will say privately, but some people will say, "Hey, give me a little bit of time." And some people are like, "Hey, find me immediately cuz I won't remember otherwise." So knowing those things um but just really knowing how to deal with conflict um, with that specific person is important. Birthdays are super important. I will tell you, birthdays are not super important to me. Um, cards are not really all that important to me. Gifts are not that important to me. But it is actually for most people. And so I have to come outside of myself and go, okay, how do I love on them? And it's not just like, oh, here's a gift card. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much a what does this person like? What do they love? Um, I have um, a team member who really values uh, things that are made sustainably. Uh, And so I will never get her a plastic water bottle. You know what I mean? Just knowing little things like that um, and and knowing what what they care about and making it a a point for you to care about those things as well. Um, And often telling them, this is what you're doing well. I see this in you and you are praying over them all the time. I spend more time praying for them, I think, than doing anything else. And so when I go into a meeting, I've already had some revelation from the Holy Spirit of how they're doing. And I can, and I, it makes me more aware of what's happening in that realm. Um, of course, using text. May, I mean, so often as you know, people get texts from their boss and it's like, do this, do this, do this. And I just, honestly, I send them memes. <laughs> I send jokes. Um, I say, hey, how are you doing? Hey, thought of you. I saw something funny in the store. I thought of you, What, whatever it might be. Um, and so there's a mixture of things in what's going on to like around them so that they know that you're not just thinking about them when you need something, but, you know, all the time and you're, you're praying over them. So that's important. Those are all great. Very, um, easy things to do. I feel like very easy to work into day-to-day life. Uh, it's just a matter of doing it. So uh, thank you for for running down a list of good ideas for us. Uh, I'm also an Enneagram 3. So for me, I can get really focused on the work yes. and what needs to be done. And thankfully, I work with a lot of capable people who, who want to get things done as well. So um, doing really meaningful things like that, but throughout the day, 
um, goes a long way and uh, helps me as a person who naturally gravitates toward uh, more of what needs to be done and, and less about how is everybody doing and mm-hmm. as we move through what needs to be done. Uh, so that's great. Thank you. Is there anything more you would want to share as it relates to uh, ministry teams working with one another that we haven't already covered? So I, I think this is more specific to those who are like Enneagram threes and eights, like you and me. Um, the joke for me has always been like, I'm a three with some serious eight energy. And I don't know where that comes from. And I don't know how I feel about it, but it's come across multiple times. So I, I have to be careful. So I, I am more internally focused as a leader and uh, how to sustain not only myself, but those that are working under my lead. And I think something that's important if you are a three or an eight is to remind your team members that they don't need to go at your pace. Like, mm-hmm. Casey, you and I are just talking about how, like, go, 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 right? right. So for me, that's a love language. Like, I leave me alone and let me get it done. Yes. And, and I can very much get 40 hours of work, like 80 hours of work done in 40 hours. Like, that's someone that I just have always been. I'm not saying it's healthy. It's just who I, I am. And I need to, like, rein that back a bit. But your team members that don't do that naturally, which is most people, will feel like a failure if they're not keeping up with you. And so it's really right. important for you to say, you're done working now. I don't expect you to do what I do. Mm-hmm. I, I understand there is a difference and does it make me worse or make you worse or make me better, or make you better. I think being, uh, we've talked about self-awareness quite a bit. I think we really as leaders have a res- responsibility in doing the work in ourselves so that our trauma and our triggers aren't leaking out on people yeah. that are doing kingdom work. And right. so love yourself well, care for yourself well. I have burned out before. I've come mm. close to burning out recently because COVID just messed everything up, right? And so how do you care for yourself so you're not spilling out dirt uh, on your team? Um, and so that they are, you know, I think everybody right now is trying to figure out what's up, like where is up. And um, COVID has left us kind of just the things that worked before aren't working anymore. So how do you hold space? How do you abide? How do you make sure everyone has a voice and has time to really just not only rest, but kind of get in touch with themselves with the Holy Spirit as well? And so um, if I didn't make that clear this whole time, um, really it comes down to people and caring for people well. And that should be the first and foremost thing that is ahead of us. Awesome. I think you've done a great job of reminding us of that. So uh, thank you so much uh, for your time today, Jenny, and just um, for the wisdom that you've poured out uh, for all of us. And if people want to interact with you or they want to learn more about the ministry you do, where can they find you? You know, I think social media is the best way to go. I am also not very good at social media. So I just want you to know that (laughs) right now. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at jclayville. post sporadically at best okay but i i do usually end up seeing dms or whatever um but yeah just take a quick google i'm sure you can find me i'm like all over random okay. places awesome awesome well thank you again jenny for joining us today and uh we appreciate awesome. everything that you shared and i know it'll help a lot of people thanks casey
Yes. Well, you know what? I want to invite everyone who's listening to join us in Nashville, Tennessee. Don't forget Spire Conference 2023 is on September 26th through the 28th. Hundreds of ministry leaders will gather together for a three-day leadership event where you're going to be able to connect, collaborate, and be encouraged for a new ministry season. So you can register your team now at spire.network forward slash spire conference. Thanks again for joining us, everyone. We will see you again next time.